Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. So good to see you again. Hey, if you just walked in or just now joining us, I want to take a moment to introduce myself again, especially for those online. My name is Rhett. I'm the lead pastor, and it's great to welcome you today. In fact, before we jump into the message, all those here at the Civic Center this morning, throw your hands together and welcome our online church family right now. Come on, let them know how much you love them. Yes. And in fact, about half of our church is watching us online today. Uh, And I just want to say it's a joy and a privilege and an honor to have you along. I'm so grateful for technology that keeps us connected even when we cannot be here in these wonderful times and seasons we get to live in, in our nation and in our world. Come on, somebody. So technology is amazing. And again, for those who normally aren't able to be with us but join us from other states, I just want you to know how much I love you. I do consider you family. Thank you so much for texting us your needs. Thank you for texting us your prayer requests. I want to let you know that we do pray every day the promise of God over your life. And if there's anything else we can do for you outside of prayer, please let us know. Hit us up, email us, and all the information is there on the website. All right, you guys, we are starting, not starting, we're continuing a series called Habits. But I always like to remind us of a couple of things. They're habits, they're disciplines for us here at One Life Church. And it's something that we don't do. This is who we are, and it's important to talk about. And that is small groups, everybody. Can I I hear a good amen. Small groups. What are small groups? There are groups that are small that provide an opportunity for you and for myself to experience life change. You know, I was actually reading a study this week and a part of that study said that, you know, that your DNA is actually hardwired by God for community. Like it's, I don't even know how they figure that stuff out. Okay. They're way smarter than I am, but it's amazing how God made us. He made us not to do life alone. We need each other. And so small groups, if there was one thing we ever did as a church, it would be small groups groups. They're that important. And so they're kicking off in a couple of weeks, everybody, and I cannot wait. And therefore you see the dates. The reason I tell you that is because of this. Many of you in this room, many of you online, you've led small groups in the past, and now is your chance to register your small groups. You can go to olc.church, click on the link that looks just like that. Register your small group, register your small group. Let's create as many opportunities as we can to love people and to be the light of the world and offer hope. And by the way, to lead us small group, you don't have to be perfect. Can I just say something there? You don't have to be perfect. I'm not perfect. Nobody in this church is perfect. God's not looking for perfection. He's simply looking for availability. Okay. Because God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. You know what I'm saying? And every single one of us are called to take a next step to meet people where they are and to be a part of their lives. And so how do you lead a group? Well, you go to small group leadership training. If you're in the service today, you've missed your opportunity. It's actually happening right now. In fact, if you want to get up, walk out, it will not offend me. Small group leadership training is happening somewhere on site today. I think it's in the room behind me. I'm not quite sure. But if you go to Guest Central, they'll meet you and show you where that is. But if you want to go to small group leadership training, you have another opportunity. And that opportunity is next Sunday. Two dates on the screen. You don't have to go to both. You just need to go to one. And let me just say this, and then I'll shut up about small groups, okay? The expectation for small group leadership uh, training for us isn't that you walk out of the training leading a group. Now, that would be amazing, but that's not everybody's next step, okay? 
But the goal is just to get you connected relationally. That's it. And the goal, honestly, is if you have questions about what small groups are, how do they operate? How do you do life and ministry through them? This is your class. And so I would encourage you, if you're in the room today or joining us online, you want to be a part, come to our early service next week at 930, okay? And then after the service is over, attend small group leadership training. It is a lot of fun. Okay, we're a message note taking church, everybody. What does it mean? It means we love to take notes. And today is an incredibly practical message that I believe has the power if you'll text OLC notes to 94,000, put them on your phone and you'll follow along. You will find that these notes will actually not just be good for today, not for tomorrow, but could actually be incredible for a lifetime to help you when it comes to some bad habits that are in your life. And so text OLC notes, 94,000, follow along. It's going to be a lot of fun. Okay. We're in this series called Habits. Everybody say habits. Habits, okay? Uh, when Habits, this isn't necessarily a message, and I like to have fun. I like to get engaged. I like to, you know, that's just who I am, my personality. So I just want to kind of go ahead and blanket statement this. This is probably not going to be a message where you're shouting hallelujah, praising God, running the aisles. Like, you know what I'm saying? That was a church I grew up in, okay? But it will absolutely be a message that if you'll have ears to hear, it will change your life in a very practical way. We talked about creating new habits last week. Today, we're talking about breaking bad habits, okay? Breaking bad habits. And so I recommended a book last week. It was called Atomic Habits. It was written by a man by the name of James Clear. Okay, this book is so popular that one of our members of our church decided to go to the library this week to rent it. And guess what? He's in line with about 52 other people in front of him waiting on this book. Okay, it's so powerful. It's so practical. And I would encourage you to get the book somehow, some way. Now, one of the greatest thoughts in this book that stuck, stood out to me is this. We said this statement last week, and I'll say it again. And that is this. Every single one of us, we all have similar goals, but we all have drastically different results. See, most of us in this room would probably want to be close to God. Like if you were honest, like I want to be close to God. I want to have a relationship with God. I believe many of us in this room, we want to be healthy. We want to have healthy relationships. You know, we want to make a difference with our life. Many of us in this room, we want to be, be debt free. Like these are the goals that many of us have, but we're experiencing drastically different results. Now, being honest, I've never met one person with a negative goal. In other words, I've never met one person who said, you know, in my lifetime, I just want to struggle financially. You know, it is my greatest desire to live paycheck to paycheck. I mean, come on, isn't that amazing? Like, I've never met anybody who said, you know, I think this would be a great goal. I want to gain five pounds every year for the next 20 years. Like nobody does that. That's crazy. That's insane. Nobody says, I want to be addicted to something that's going to ruin my marriage and hurt my family. Nobody does that. Nobody has a negative goal. In fact, nobody ever says, you know what? I just think I'll work a dead end job the rest of my life. You know, I can't stand this job. It's meaningless. It's pointless. I have no passion for it. In fact, when I get to the end of my life, you know, I, I'm not really going to have much to show, but Thank God I have one thing, I have regrets, right? Like nobody does that, everybody. And so when I was thinking about decisions, when I'm thinking about goals, when I'm thinking about all this and the decisions we make that can ultimately get us to a place to end our life, I thought it was interesting. Check this out. No one ruins their life with one major stupid decision. 
Now, go with me. Are there a few? Of course, right? A few, maybe. But really, if you think about it in the grand picture of life, the vast majority of us, we don't ruin our life by one stupid decision. We ultimately get to a place where we have one small habit, one small bad habit, one small bad step in the wrong direction that over time on a consistent basis leads us to a place where our life could ultimately be destroyed, ruined, or just simply in a bad place. Now, people, right, humanity loves to take and make one-sentence summaries when it comes to people's mistakes. In fact, maybe you've heard one-sentence summaries of a lifetime of bad decisions. It goes something like this. You know, he fell into sin, he cheated on his wife, and now they're divorced. Or he's irresponsible and he got fired from his job. Or he had a problem with his weight, so he died at 58. Right? These are one sentences that summarize, honestly, the truth is not one bad decision, but a series of bad decisions over several years that have accumulated to the point of whatever it is that they're noted for. Rarely, rarely is it one major decision, right? And so when I began to think about one sentence summaries, as I read the Bible, I began to see that one sentence summaries are all throughout scripture. In fact, if you have eyes to see when you're reading the Bible, it's amazing some of the things that you see. Now, one of the most profound one sentence summaries of a lifetime or series of bad events, in my opinion, comes out of Judges 16.1, which we're going to read here in a moment. And in this sentence, it summarizes, in my opinion, what became a series of bad decisions in one man's life named Samson. Everybody say Samson. Samson. Now, if there was any guy who had potential, if there was any guy who was called by God, if there was any guy who had purpose in his life for his season, it was Samson. But because of one bad decision, one small step, one bad habit in the wrong direction, over time, his life began to fall apart. Now, let's look at the one-sentence summary we get right here in Judges 16.1. It says, one day, Samson, he went to the Philistines. This is the town of Gaza. And he spent the night with a prostitute. Now, this is one-sentence summary, right, of series of steps that led Samson, a man who was called by God, gifted by God, had a purpose from God, down a to a place where he began to go down a downward spiral in his life. Now, many of you may know this, but I didn't. I had to research it. And since I only work one day a week on Sundays, you know, I had the time, okay? So thank you for laughing. That's a joke. That's not reality, okay? All right, but Gaza, Gaza, where is Gaza? Well, if you look on a map, it's about 25 miles away from Samson's hometown of Zora, okay? 25 miles away. Now, this is what you need to understand about Gaza, Okay, it was the Philistine headquarters. In other words, for Samson to go there, number one, he was public enemy number one to the Philistines. Like this, would, this is crazy. So like for Samson to go into Gaza would mean that he's risking his life. Okay, so this is crazy because let me remind you, and here's a fair assumption, okay? The fair assumption is that there was no Uber, Okay, there was no taxi service. The fair assumption is in this time, the brother had to take one step at a time and walk 25 miles into enemy territory to make a huge 
mistake. Now, here's my question. How many people do you know would ruin their life, ruin their family, ruin ruin their reputation, ruin their calling, ruin their gifting for a temporary pleasure? I can't talk today. How many people do you know that would do that? You ready? You ready for the answer? (laughs) There are people who do it every single day, every single day. So when I began to think about 25 miles from his hometown to Gaza, and when I began to think about the fact that there was no Uber, I was just reminded that the brother, when he walked, I was thinking, man, how long did that take, number one? But then I began to dive into a little deeper, and that is, I wonder how many steps he had to take to go 25 miles into enemy territory to do stupid. You ready for this? Did the math. 56,250 steps he took to walk 25 miles into stupid. Now, that's why I am submitting to you today that Samson, he didn't ruin his life by one decision. No, he took 56,250 steps, small steps, by the way, in a direction that led him toward a downward spiral of destruction in his life. And so I'm just convinced that most of us, man, we don't ruin our life with one major decision. No, we get to a place where we made one small decision, one small bad habit, one day at a time, that over time eventually catches up to us throughout the years and it leads us to a place where like, how in the world did I get here? I never thought I would be here. And that in lies the reason of why we're talking about habits today. So last Sunday, as I mentioned, we, we started with like, hey, how do you create a new habit? And I don't know if you remember, if you missed it, I encourage you to go back to listen to it. But we talked about don't start with what you do first. Start with who? In other words, who do you want to become? That's the question. And I asked it this way. I said, based on who you want to become, what is the one habit that you need to start? Like, what's the one habit you need to start? So think about it. If you want to be a godly husband, a godly dad, you know, a godly mom, a godly spouse, a godly wife, what's the one step based on who you want to become do you need to take to help you go in that direction? Maybe you want to become a godly student, you know, and you want to be a great example at school. Maybe you want to be healthy. Maybe you want to be generous. Maybe you want to make a difference with your life. Maybe you want to be sober and clean. What is the, based on who you want to become, what's the one habit that you need to start to help propel you toward that goal? Now, that's the question I asked last week. Now, today we're going to add just a little bit of layer on top of that, okay? And that is, here's the question I'm asking today, and I'm going to give you the point and then the application, and that is this. Based on who you want to become, now, what one habit do you need to break? What's the unhealthy thing in your life? What's the ungodly thing in your life? What's the thing that's in your life that is so unhelpful that's keeping you from becoming the best version of yourself? What's the one habit that's keeping you back, that's taking you in the wrong direction, that if done over time and over time, is going to lead you to a place that you have never wanted to go? Now, I love what James said. James says this, chapter 1, verse 21. He says, Get rid of. Everybody say get rid of. In other words, you got a choice to make in this. That you got to, you have responsibility. You have got to get rid of what? Every filthy habit and all the wicked conduct. And by the way, thank God he just doesn't stop there. 
Like, you've got a choice to make. You've got a responsibility in the process, but also a part of your responsibility is to give it to God, is to submit to God, to involve God and his power and his presence to be a part of your life to help you. How? By accepting the word, the word, his truth. The word of God is alive. It's active. It's living. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is what changes your life. You need to make the decision. You need to submit to God. You need to accept his word. And look at this. When you read it, he plants it in your heart. And when his word is planted in your heart, it's able to save you. It's able to help you. It gives you hope. It gives you life. His word in you gives you the power to overcome the bad habit. So again, I ask, what's the one habit that you need to break? And it's so important to define this bad habit. Why? Because you can't defeat what you cannot define. You can't defeat what you cannot define. You have to identify the bad habit. So what's the one? Just the one. Well, Pastor Red, I got like 27. Yeah, I get it. I got a lot too. But listen, if you try to focus on all 27, guess what you're going to do? You ain't going to do nothing. You're not even going to do one. So start with one. What's the one bad habit? Is it a bad attitude? Is it a complaining spirit? Is it a gossiping tongue? Well, Pastor, I just need people to know how to pray. Come on, somebody. We know the gossiping tongue. Is it an eating issue? Is it a technology addiction? Is it video games? I mean, video games are fun at first until they suck your life away from all those you love and you hurt other people because you're giving more time to a screen addiction of a game than you are to your family and loved ones. Is it social media? Scroll, scroll, click like. Scroll, 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 Ooh, back, click like. Is it binge watching TV? What's the one bad habit? Is it pornography? Is it your mobile device? Some of y'all like, this is like a third arm to some of you. Like, this is what I call an adult pacifier. You know how I know? Because the moment you hand it to somebody and you're, it's like five seconds have gone by, you're like, hey, give it, I need it back, I need it back. I gotta, I gotta check that, man. I mean, I got a text, got a message. Let me see, do they like my post? Like, it's ridiculous. Amen. What one happened? Is it a substance? Is it nicotine? Is it alcohol? Is it prescription drugs? Is it illegal drugs? Is it sugar? What is it? What's the one habit? So as I thought about that, I'm asking you the question. I might as well give you what I'm dealing with, right? And so one of the bad habits that I'm trying to break is screen time. Do you know that the average American, just American, average United States of American citizen, do you know how much screen time they do per day? Seven to 10 hours a day. I'm not smart enough to do the math on that, but that's like a whole lot of your life on a screen looking at pixels that are put together in a certain order that show an image. It's not even real. It's horrifying. In fact, studies are showing now they didn't have these back in the day, but now because social media has been around for so long, more people are de dealing with anxiety and depression than ever before, all because of social media. Seeing things you're not supposed to see. 
seeing other people's life, other people's highlight reel, other people's posed images. And I'm just saying, I'm not going to waste my life. I'm not wasting my calling. I'm not wasting my purpose on a screen looking at images of somebody else that's posed that's not even real. I'm not doing it. So, again, I ask you the question, based on who you want to become, what's the one habit that you need to break? What's the one habit you need to break? Now, I'm very practical. I like to get practical, and we are. But before I get practical, I think it's important to notice the difference between why is it so difficult to start a good habit? That's a great question. But also, why is it so difficult to break a bad habit? Have you ever thought about the differences? Like when it comes to starting a good habit in your life, it's challenging at first. Like there is no perceived benefit in the moment. Like the moment of the benefit never happens on the front end with a good habit. I'll give you an example. Walking a mile every day. Some like, Pastor, I'm going I'm to get healthy. You know, I'm just going to start by like every morning. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go outside. I'm going to walk. I'm going to do it a mile a day and just start simple. I'm like, man, that's great. Until you wake up or try to wake up, your alarm goes off. You're like, my God, it's dark in this room. Why do I live so far north? I don't know, right? And then all of a sudden you're like, man, these covers feel really nice and warm because this room is cold. And then not only is the room cold, but now the challenge is I got to get out of a warm bed in a cold room and put my feet on a cold floor. Wash my face with cold water. Throw on clothes that I can barely see because it's so dark. I don't want to turn the light on to wake my wife up because I'm a good husband. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Put on your clothes, go outside, and it's miserably cold right now. Like, who wants to do that? It's so challenging. And then you walk your mile. You go back. You're like, man, I'm feeling good. You stand on the scale. You didn't lose a pound. You didn't lose nothing. Why? Because you just walked one mile, and you're back standing. Like, what did you think was going to happen? There's no perceived benefit There's no blessing in the moment of the challenge and the hard work that it takes to walk a mile. But if you do that discipline, one small act of obedience over time, seven months go by from now, now you're down nine pounds. See, the challenge of starting a good habit is that (laughs) the payoff, the payoff's always in the future, right? Payoff's always in the future. Let's talk about getting involved in church. See, a lot of people have this preconceived idea that the moment they just start serving in a church, oh, whoo, I'm just going to live this glorious epiphany, right? Like my life is going to be perfect and not have any problems and it's going to be easy street. And that's not the case. You get involved in church, give your heart to Jesus. You go to discover class, go to step one, vision, go to step two, purpose today. You come out kind of identifying some of your gifts. You're like, oh, I want to serve here and experience the fulfillment that comes from making a difference. You know, because pastor said, you're going to live your best life when you're serving, right? And all that's true, but you do it for a week and then you realize how hard it is because now I got to get up a little bit earlier than I normally do on a Sunday, right? To come create an experience to love people which by the time I get here, it's kind of fun. But then, you know, the Sunday goes by, a week goes by, and you're looking like, man, I'm not really experiencing everything. Like, I thought I was going to have all these friends. I thought I was going to, like, be so close to God, like all of that. It's like two weeks went by. But if you'll be disciplined and stay with it and create that accountability, get on a team, start serving, and a year goes by, you're going to be like, man, I didn't know I could be this close to God. Man, Look at all the friends and the family that are around me that support me. Man, I'm actually starting to just cross the line of finding freedom in my life by making a difference with the gifts and callings in my life. It didn't happen in two weeks. 
but it happened in over a year. That's why I say, man, if you'll just give us a year of your life, go all in. And I'm telling you, you'll look back a year from now. You may not ultimately be where you want to be, but you'll be a lot further than you ever were. It just takes time, y'all. So good, good habits are challenging to start. Why? Because there's no perceived benefit in the moment. It's always delayed to the future. Now, let's talk about bad habits. Bad habits are the opposite. Man, it tastes good. It looks good. It feels good. It must be good. Come on. Why? Because bad habits and sin is fun. Come on, how many of you raise your hand in this room right now and say, man, sin is fun. Come on, if you are not raising your hand, you're either lying or you're not doing it right. <laughs> you're laughing because it's so true. The Bible teaches us that sin is pleasurable. It's fun for a season, for a moment. Man, it tastes good. Woo, it feels good. Ah, oh, it must be good. Yes, the moment of reward is in the now. But the moment of death, toil, destruction, shame, guilt, broken family, broken marriage, hurt and pain is always delayed to the, to the future. Why? Because sin has this way of just being so pervasive, messing up your mind, your spirit, your, not only your physical health, it, it, it absolutely can lead you to depression in your mind and your mental state. It affects then your family, those who are closest to you. It affects your finances and how you handle money. It, like, it affects every area of your life. But you don't notice it in the moment, man. Because in the moment, it's good. It's right. See, bad habits, the negative payoff is not in the now. The negative payoff is always in the future. This is why bad habits are hard to break. Think about cigarettes for a moment. I'm not picking on cigarettes. I just had to chew something, okay? So like cigarettes or tobacco, nothing necessarily wrong with it. Smoking a cigarette's not going to send you to hell at all. And a lot of people say, well, man, you know, I smoke because whew, it's so relaxing, man. It just calms me, right? At least this is what I've heard. You know, if I smoke a cigarette or I take, take some tobacco of any kind, it just, whew, just brings me to center. Now, that's true in the moment, but the negative payoff to cigarettes, the negative payoff to tobacco, it's not in the now, it costs you when? In the future, when you're sitting across a, in the doctor's office, across from the doctor, and the doctor says, hey, I got some bad news. You got lung cancer. Not only that, you've got gum disease. Because of what? 20 years of a bad decision that felt good in a moment, but then it, it led you to, to that. Let's talk about eating. We all like to eat. Come on, somebody, right? Ain't nothing wrong with eating, you know? Eating's great. God designed it. But when you decide to eat all you want, when you want, however much you want at the China buffet seven days a week, well, and while you're living a sedentary lifestyle, <laughs> it feels good at first, right, man? That sugar, that sugar rush. Woo, the banana pudding. Come on, somebody. Like, it's, it's good in the moment. You don't start seeing the effects of it or the cost till years later when you're sitting in a doctor's office and the doctor says, hey, you have type 2 diabetes. In fact, not only that, you have high blood pressure. Wow, what, what happened? That bad habit, the payoff is not of the now. The payoff is always in the future. See, understanding the difference between why it's hard to create a good habit and why it's so difficult to break a bad habit helps us in our understanding of how we need to move forward to break a bad habit. So, 
Last week, we talked about creating new habits. And I said, when it comes to a new habit, what do you need to do? Man, you need to make that new habit as easy as you can. It starts small, like make it easy, okay? But we're not talking about creating new habits today. We're talking about creating bad or breaking bad habits. So as we break a bad habit, what do we do? Well, we're going to do the opposite. We're going to make that bad habit as difficult as possible. We're going to make it hard to do the thing that's going to keep us from the best version of ourselves. Why? Because you and I, we only have so much willpower. Think about it. Willpower is like energy. The more you exert, the more you're depleted. You get tired. Like you can fight whatever that bad habit is and that temptation for a while, but eventually you're going to get tired. You're going to give in. It's like trying to eat good. Some of you are like, man, Pastor Red, this is the year, man. I'm quitting donuts. I'm like, hey, man, more power to you. Way to go. It's awesome. Nothing wrong with donuts in moderation, right? But some of you are like, man, I'm, I'm going to stop eating my, just my calories away on sugar in the morning. And so you made that decision. And then somebody tomorrow morning, what do they do? Man, they bring in that hot, fresh box of donuts. Woo! And you're looking at it at first, you pass by like, man, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. You ain't got nothing on me, donuts. Peace, right? But then the second time you walk by, you're like, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, right? You walk off. The third time you walk in the break room, you're smelling, you're like, get thee behind me, Satan. Who brought these donuts up in here? Fourth time you walk by, you're like, man, that just smells so good. Mm. Fifth time you walk by, you're like, not only does it smell good, I like, I forgot what a donut feels like. What's that feel like? Mm. Soft. It's great. Sixth time you go by, you're like, you know what? Forget it, man. I'm going to take just a small bite. Small bite. You're like, whoo, whoo, sugar rush. <laughs> Feeling good in the bloodstream now. And you're like, you know what? Forget this. You look left, you look right. Nobody's looking. You're like, I've already come this far. I'm going all the way, baby. And you eat the whole box. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, your willpower is gone, right? This is the truth. We're laughing because it's real. So when it comes to breaking bad habits, guys, what do we do? What do we do? What are we going to do? Guys, we've got to make it extremely difficult to do the bad habit. Proverbs 4, 14 through 15. Look at this. Do not set foot. Like, don't even come close to it, guys. Don't set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of those evil donut bringers at the office. You know what I'm saying? My gosh. Right? Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it. Go on your way. What is it saying? It's saying you've got to make it difficult. You've got to keep your foot one step away from stupid. You've got to make it hard. You've got to go to the extreme. Now, last week, we talked about a habit loop. Habit loop. Well, let's just revise, uh, revisit this for a moment. What's a habit loop? Well, every habit, right, it starts with a cue. Some people call this a trigger. Starts with the trigger or a cue. And that cue or that trigger leads us to a routine, leads us to a response. It leads us to a, an action or our bad habit, which ultimately gets us to a place of a temporary moment in the moment, sin moment. That's whoo, this is so good in the moment. It's a reward, and then you feel horrible, and then the cue, and it just goes back over and over again. The habit just continues to cycle. So, how do you break this when that's a bad habit? That's great when it's a good habit. But when this is a bad habit, how do you break it? Well, real simple. You got to remove the cue, everybody. And you got to interrupt the routine. 
How? By removing the cue, making it difficult. This is what you got to do. Now, studies have shown there are simply, there's more than this, but there are five major cues in everybody's life that lead us to a bad habit or cue us or trigger us to a bad habit. Write these down if you're taking notes. Place, time, mood, moment, and people. Place, time, mood, moment, and people. These are all five major cues that you and I have got to watch out for in our life that could trigger us or cue us towards our bad habit. Let's talk about places and times because those two oftentimes go together. There are places in your life that cue you toward that bad habit. Just as much there are places in your life that don't cue you toward that bad habit. Think about this for a moment. If your problem is overeating, okay, you're not going to be cued to overeat at the gym. Why? (laughs) It's the gym. No, if your problem is eating, you're more than likely going to be cued when you drive by the China Buffet, okay? Or when you go to the Super Bowl party and you're with the wrong people. It's going to be your cue to go, you know what? Forget it, man. I deserve this. I'm going to eat as much as I want because this is, it's filling the dopamine rush to get you to forget about the other pain and problems in your life. Now, for some of you, your problem is pornography. And your cue, your trigger that gets you thinking about a lustful image or a thought and leads you down that kind of path, your cue is not going to be church on the third row. You're not going to binge watch porn in these seats. No, why? Because I'm not cued here. It's not my trigger, right? No, if your problem is pornography, then you're more likely going to be cued when you're alone, when you're bored, when you're tired, when you're worn out, or maybe after a fight with your spouse or significant other or family member. There's always a time, there's always a place that cues us or triggers us toward an action that we don't like, that we don't want to do, but we find ourselves there and we get in this vicious cycle. So there's a man in the Bible, his name is David. He, he was known actually as just a young shepherd boy who is known by God, the scripture teaches us, as a man who is after God's own heart. This young man loved God. He was a good dude. He eventually became a king. And while he was a king, he made a horrible mistake. Horrible mistake. The brother ends up the wrong place at the wrong time. In fact, if you summarize his horrible mistake, that's how I would summarize it in one sentence. Wrong place, wrong time. What did he do? Well, he slept with another man's wife while that man was off to war. Gets this woman pregnant and decides, wow, I'm going to have to kill this husband and get rid of him. And then, then he marries the woman. He commits adultery. And he murders somebody. But yet he loved God. And yet he was overall a good man in his entire life. And I just need you to understand, there are good people who love God. And I'm just telling you this. And the same is true for my life. Okay? I am not exempt from this. If you love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and if you find yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time, my friend, you and I could both do stupid. Because we're all one step away from it, everybody. And if you don't think you're one step away from it, you're already there. Okay? You're already there. So, look at what Scripture teaches us. 2 Samuel 11.1. 1. This gives us a glance, the wrong place, wrong time. In the spring, at the time, when kings go off to war. Time out. Time. 
David, notice where he is. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war. That's the time. Where was he? David, the king, he wasn't out to war where he should have been. He was in Jerusalem. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be at war. But because he was in the wrong place, he found himself, found himself at the wrong time. And he overlooked. He stood up on his balcony on the rooftop. And the brother probably knew what he was doing. It probably wasn't the first time. And he overlooked and saw a beautiful woman taking a bath on her rooftop. He lusted after her in his heart. And then the rest is history. My friends, he was in the wrong place. At the wrong time, he saw something he was never supposed to see, and he ended up doing something he never thought he would ever do. And it cost him more than he ever thought it would cost him. It cost him his son. If you read the story, his son ended up dying because of his sin. It's a horrible story. So listen, you need to understand the cues for your bad habit. Because when you begin to recognize the places where you're most vulnerable in the place and the time, this is what you got to do. You ready? Run! Hey, Forrest! Run, Forrest! Run! Get out! Flee! Remove the cue! Remove the trigger! Remove it from your life. You got to make it difficult. So place, time, there's also moods. Everybody say moods. See, depending on the mood, Right? Depends on how you even say that. Mood. Huh? Mood. Huh? Right? Moods. Moods are cues. So there's a lot of different moods we can find ourselves in, but here are some major ones. When you're hungry, when you're angry, when you're lonely, and when you're tired. See, when you're hungry, you're most vulnerable. When you're angry, let me just say, my wife says, hey, no, you needed to add a third one. That's hangry, everybody. That's hungry and angry together, right? And I get it. When we're hangry, we're vulnerable. When we're lonely, when we're bored, when we're under-challenged, right? What happens? We're vulnerable to doing stupid. We're tired. What do we have? We have less strength to fight, so we typically give in to stupid and the bad habit, right? And so I don't know if you've noticed, but the H, the A, the L, and the T are all highlighted for a reason. Because <laughs> what do you do when the mood hits you? You halt. Halt. You stop. You stop. You halt, and you know to halt when you're hungry, when you're angry, when you're lonely, and you're tired. When you begin to recognize your moods, one of these, you need to remove the cue that leads you toward the response and the reward of the bad habit. You need to do something to get yourself out of danger. There's also moments, moments. This is when something happens. This is the moment when, ladies, you fight with your husband, and after the fight's over, you pick up the phone and go, hey, girlfriend, let me just tell you what happened. And now you have a husband bashing party on the phone. Why? Because this is what you do after the moment of a fight. The moment, the fight, it cued you to do what? Husband bashing party. Guys, your cue may be, hey, come on, man, let's go to the game tonight. Or, hey, let, let's go to the pool hall. Or, hey, let's go to the bowling alley, whatever it might be. And you go hang out with the fellas and you drink a little bit too much. Why? Because you did it last time, you did it the time before, and you're going to do it this time, and you're going to continue to do it the next time. Why? Because it's hanging with the fellas at the game or at the bar that is the cue for the bad habit that triggers you down the road you don't want to ultimately go. So what do we do? What do we do when we're faced with places, times, moments, moods? And well, I mean, like, what do we do when we're faced with the cue of these bad habits? My friends, we have to identify them. We have to recognize that they're there. And we've got to make the choice to run, to flee, and to distance ourselves from it. 
Here's the last one, and that's people. People. Guys, the wrong people can be a cue to head you down the wrong direction. And you don't even need me to tell you this. I mean, you know this. Just as much as the right people in your life lead you down the right direction. This is why small groups are so important, by the way. You need the right people in your life. In fact, studies have shown that the closer you are to somebody, the more likely you are to have the same habits. Same habits. Why? Because the people you hang together with are the people you habit together with. When you're hanging with people, you're also following along in their footsteps with the same habits. You don't even need to study to prove this. Look at Proverbs 13, 20. King Solomon over 2,000 years ago said this. Guys, if you'll just walk with the wise, get some good people in your life, get into a good small group. Not that they're perfect or they have it all together, but if you just get around some good people who are wanting to go the same direction and become all that God's wanted them to be, you'll become wise. But you want to hang out with fools? I mean, you can do that. That's your choice. Just know that the byproduct is you're going to suffer harm. Maybe not now in the moment, but later in the future, you'll experience it. And we all have. We all have. And this is why I say, guys, it's impossible to live right when you've got the wrong friends in your life. It's impossible to live a life after God when you've got the wrong kind of friends in your life. That's why I'm just so grateful for my closest friends in my life, man. They're not perfect, but they love God. They love their families. They love their wives. They love their kids. They're disciplined. Man, they're generous. They live beneath their means. They don't spend more money than they make. They're financially in a good place. My friends, it's easier for me to live a God-honoring life, love my wife, love my son, love you, lead you, when I'm around other people doing the same thing. It's easier for me to live a God-honoring life when I've got good people in my life. But could you just imagine for a moment if all my friends were unemployed and all my friends were undisciplined and all my friends are going, hey, man, you need to see this image on this phone. Can you believe this? Could you imagine for a moment if all my friends were addicted to video games or substances? Could you imagine for a moment if... All my friends every Friday night, like, hey, man, I know you just got off work. Hey, man, you need to come down here to the club, man. So-and-so just showing up. You can't, you're not going to believe this. Get down here now. Come check this out. Imagine how difficult my life would be to live a godly life if those are the kind of people that were influencing me. It's impossible to live right with God with the wrong friends. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Don't be misled. Hey, don't buy into culture. Don't buy into culture. <laughs> don't buy into culture. Bad company, man. <laughs> it corrupts good character. It corrupts your life. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. It's the truth. So how do we break a bad habit? Reminder, remove the cue and interrupt the routine and find some freedom. So how does this play out? Well, some of you, maybe, here's the practical. Maybe you want to find some financial freedom, okay? And you want to find financial freedom. So how do I do it? You got to break the addiction. How do you break the addiction? You've got to break the click, click. What's the click, click? Well, you got to break the addiction of the click, click Amazon purchases. Because some of you are like, how in the world did I overdraw my account by $120 again? I don't know. Maybe it was the click, click. So what do you do to break the habit of the click, click on Amazon and overspend, spend more money than you actually make? You ready for it? 
You hand your Amazon account over to your closest friend. You hand your Amazon account over to your spouse or whoever is the person that's gonna keep you accountable. And you say, I don't wanna know the password. You change the password and I don't wanna access it anymore. And so what happens when you make it difficult to spend your money on a click-click on Amazon? You ready for it? Because when you get that urge, you get that cue to buy, to kind of fulfill a need that you're trying to satisfy to make you happy with whatever dopamine rush you want to get by purchasing something, all of a sudden now you're like, well, I, I can't do the click-click. Oh, man, I got to call my friend. Hey, uh, yeah, hey, girl, what's up? Yeah, uh, yeah, can you, like, um, undo, like, the password? Because I really need to buy this. You sure you really need to buy this? Like, really, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, I really got to have this, you know, what I'm saying? And they're like, think about it for a second. Calm down, walk out of the room, whatever you saw, whatever that cue was, walk out and think about it. Would you rather eat lunch or have whatever that item is? Because you have to choose, right? What's happened? You've got accountability in your life. You made it really difficult to spend your money. That's crazy, man. That's extreme. Yes, it is. You got to do something extreme sometimes. You got to do it. Listen, some of you You've been struggling with porn over and over. You can't stop. You can't stop. I'm never going to get out of this. I'm never going to be free from this. Why am I struggling with looking at pornographic images? You ready for it? Because it's way too easy for you to access it. You got porn in your pocket on 24-7. You have access. It's way too easy, my friends. So what do we do? You got to make it difficult to access it. How do you do that? You give your phone over to a friend or a loved one or a spouse. And you say, hey, I need some accountability. Limit all the adult content. In fact, put all the parental controls on it. In fact, give me, don't give me any access to apps. Don't give me any access to Instagram. Don't give me any apps to, access to anything that could be a trigger in my life. And give it to them. And they're the only ones that have the passcode that can unlock your phone outside of maybe checking an email and maybe the occasional phone call or text. What am I doing? Making it difficult. Well, Rhett, that's crazy. You wouldn't do that. Oh yeah, I've done it. My wife has the passcode. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. It would trip me up too. Pornography has been an issue and a vice in my life for years until we got to the place where I made it difficult to be able to access it. What did I do? I removed the cue and I eliminated the routine and the reward. Why, why? Because my purity matters. Your purity matters. Some of you like, well, I really need the internet. No, you don't. You just think you do. You bought into the lie that you just got to have it. You don't. Who cares if you have limited access to the internet? Who cares? Because your family matters. Your relationship with God matters. My friends, it matters. It is, your life is so much more important than the internet. Your freedom is so much more important. Stop giving your life away to pixels and colors arranged in a certain format to an image on your screen that isn't even real. Don't waste your life, your calling, your gifting, or your purpose. You gotta find freedom and you gotta do whatever you gotta do. You gotta make it difficult to be able to access it. You want to break a bad habit? Make it difficult. And if you're smart enough to get around all the limitations, okay, because some of you are, it's time for you to get a dumb phone. You know what a dumb phone is? It's the phones we had 20 years ago. You can only call and text. That's it. 
There are men who have risen up in this church and who have gotten a dumb phone. And I have more respect, more love, more adoration for those men who have taken that next step. You know why? Because they've gotten their life back. They got their marriage back. They've got like their health back, their mental capacity back. They're finding freedom, everybody, because of it. It's important. What are we doing? We're making the bad habit difficult. We're removing the cue. We're interrupting the response. We're breaking the bad habit so we can find freedom. Guys, some of you are here today, maybe online, you're struggling with alcohol. You're struggling with prescription drugs. In fact, some of you, pornography's gone to a whole nother level. Now it's got you sleeping around with so many different people. And you've just bought into this loop that every three months, every six months, every year, you just find yourself cycling through just another man or another woman. And my friend, if that's you listening to me today, I love you. And with all sincerity, this church loves you. God loves you. It's time to get honest. It's time to go admit, I need help. It's time for rehab. It's time to do something significant to stop. Listen, if the people who love you the most are the ones who are continually coming to you, time and time again, say, hey, listen, we love you, but you have, there's a problem here. Chances are you have a problem. And you need help. You can't do it on your own. You need the right people, the right therapists, the right counselors, the right life group and small groups in your life. You need this. Listen, when the direction of your life is not going where you want it to, my friends, you've got to make a change. You've got to do something significant. You've got to make the bad habit. You've got to make it difficult. Why? Because here's the truth. The habits that you have today, they're going to shape who you are tomorrow. The habits that you do today, good or bad, They're going to shape you and I on who we're going to become tomorrow. So the question is, with a statement, do you like the direction your habits are taking you? Do you like the direction? And if you're not sure, then do this. Play that bad habit. Play it out forward. In other words, look 5 to 10 to 15, 20 years down your life with that bad habit and tell me if you think your life is going to be better because of it. Because I guarantee you, this is what you'll say if you'll think that far in the future with whatever the bad habit is that's keeping you from becoming the best version of yourself. This is what you're going to say. You know, I had no idea. I had no idea that it would cost me my marriage. I had no idea that it would cost me my finances. I had no idea that it would cost me my reputation. I had no idea that it would cost me my entire life. It robbed me of everything. And in fact, if you look 20 years down the road, I guarantee you what you'll say, man, if I could just go back. If I could just go back and get the help and make it difficult to do this thing, to reset my life on a trajectory that would help me become the man or woman of God that he's called me to be, I would do it. Listen, my friends, no one throws their life away. No one throws their marriage away. No one throws their finances away. No one throws their reputation away with one huge decision. It is a series of small steps over time, bad decisions, bad habits that over time, day after day after day, one day at a time, that get us to a place that lead us to a place we never thought we would ever want to be. Siri agrees. She said amen. So again, I ask, based on who you want to become, what's the one habit, just one, what's the one thing that you need to break? But Pastor Ed, I mean, I feel so weak. I can't do this. I don't have the strength. You're right. Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. In your, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Second Corinthians 12, 19. It's not on the screen. God's grace is sufficient for you for in your weakness. 
when you can't figure it out and you can't do it on your own. God is the only one who can give you the strength for his power is made perfect in what you cannot do. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 on the screen. No temptation. Look at this. No temptation, no sin, no bad habit has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. Come on, somebody say that. God is faithful. Say it again. God is faithful. He says he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, it's a fact of life. We live in a broken world, broken humanity. When you're tempted, it's going to happen. Notice what God does. He will also provide all of us a way out. Why? So we can endure it. So we can develop the character and the perseverance and the the life that he wants us to live. Think about Samson again, really quick. Samson took 56,250 steps, small steps in the wrong direction. But you know what he also did? He also had 56,250 small opportunities to turn, to change, to course correct, to repent, and to remove the cue and interrupt the routine. What's one habit you need to break? What's the one small step that you need to take? Pastor, come on, man. Are small steps really that big of a deal to God? Yes, Zechariah 4.10. Don't despise these small beginnings. Don't despise the small steps of faithfulness. Don't despise the small steps of obedience. Don't despise the small steps of making it really difficult to view porn on your phone. For the Lord, you ready for this? He rejoices. Did y'all catch that? The Lord rejoices just to see the work begin. In other words, the Lord rejoices in the small things. When my son does his homework, when my son makes the bed, when my son does the dishes, when my son takes out the trash, when my son cuts the grass, when my son shovels snow, dear God, please stop snowing. When he shovels the snow off the driveway, do you know what I tell him? Great job. Man, way to go. When I, I'm proud of him for when he takes small steps in his responsibilities. What am I doing? I'm just celebrating what he's doing. And guess what God does? He does the same thing. God rejoices, my friends, when you take small steps. God says, hey, way to go, man. Way to walk by those donuts. Good job. Proud of you. Whatever it might be. God is in heaven saying, you're my daughter. You're my son. I'm proud of you. You know what? I know you made a mistake today. You failed in what you're doing. But you know what? Man, I'm just so proud of you for trying. Hey, tomorrow, let's try again. You got this. This is our God, everybody. This is what he does. I need to make this statement. When you're starting small things, I just need you to understand that they're not actions. What you're doing is you're redefining your identity. You're redefining who you are. In other words, you're not what you do, you're who you are. When you're exercising and you're starting that small habit, what are you saying? Man, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It is not what I do, this is who I am. When I read the Bible, I'm becoming a man of God. It's not what I do, it's who I am. When I stop looking at the lustful trash on my phone, I'm becoming a person of identity. I'm becoming a person of purity. I am purified with Christ Jesus. I'm becoming a 
person of integrity. It's not what I do, it's who I am. Why? Because I'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. What's a testimony? It's my story. It's my life. It's my decisions. It's my habits. I'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of my habits, my disciplines. So who do you want to become? Based on who you want to become, what are the habits you need to start to point you in the right direction? And what are the habits that you need to break? Close with this verse, Galatians 6, 19. Let us not become weary in doing good. Don't become weary in trying to start this, okay? By creating new habits, breaking bad ones. For at the proper time, may not be now, but at the proper time, you will reap a harvest of righteousness, a harvest if we do not give up. And everybody said amen. Amen. Will you bow your head and close your eyes in this moment? God, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for just how practical it is, really, God, that sometimes we just need to hear this, that uh, a lot of times we, we have to take the steps and we need your help as we submit you in this, in the process. But we're asking that you would give us the wisdom, Lord, to walk this way. We can't do it alone. We need people in our life to help us. We need people in our life we can trust. So God, open those doors through small groups. Give us the opportunity to get real so that we can find freedom and live in this freedom every day of our life by creating the new habits that bring life and health and eliminating and breaking the bad ones that ultimately may feel good in the moment, but over time will destroy our life, our marriage, our home, and everything. So Lord, we submit to you. We receive your word in our hearts and give and just are so thankful for the power that it gives us to save our lives, that gives us hope. We thank you for it. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, I would be remiss if I did not give you an opportunity to come into a relationship with God. Some of you are here today. You've played church. You've played Christianity. You have the smile on, but you're miserable underneath your skin. You've, made, you've got some bad habits that have put you in a place where you just feel like, man, I'm broken and I need help and I've walked away from God. I don't have a relationship with God. Well, that can change today through one person, through Jesus. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can earn. You just simply receive it. His name is Jesus. He's the son of God. God's loved the world that he gave. Gave who? Jesus. So that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God wants to save you. God wants to redeem you. And God wants to reconcile you. God wants to heal you. God wants to give you hope, life, and a future. He has a plan for you. And it begins through Jesus coming into a relationship with his son. So if you'd like to begin a relationship with God today, it'd be my honor to lead you in a prayer right where you're seated. I'm not gonna call you down front. I'm not gonna ask you to stand. But if you're in this room or online, you wanna make a decision to follow Christ, would you be so bold wherever you are just to raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to come into a relationship with God. I want God to forgive me of my sins. I want to come into and experience the hope that is Christ, my Savior. God bless you. You can put your hands down. We're a family. Families pray together. So would you pray with me out loud something as simple as this. Just say, God, thank you for wanting to have a relationship with me. Thank you for Jesus. I believe he's the Son of God. I believe he died to pay for my sin. Today, I give you my life. Forgive me. Come live on the inside of me. Change me. Make me more like you. I give you my life because you gave me yours. Help me to live victoriously through Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we throw our hands together right now in this moment and celebrate with those who made decisions? Way to go. Great job, everybody.